Hi, and welcome to Season 2 of Big Sound Small Town, the podcast that spotlights the talented and diverse musicians in small towns and communities. This season, we're branching out to include the community of people who make it possible for musicians to be able to perform their music. The producers, the recording engineers, the venue owners, and many others. And as always, the small town musicians. Remember, small town doesn't mean small talent. Hear their stories. Today on Big Sound Small Town, my guest is the man with the golden voice, singer Ralph Glenn. Welcome to the show, Ralph. Thank you, Sandy. I appreciate it. uh, So glad to take this opportunity to spend some time with you. Well, it's my pleasure, actually. Um, You've been singing around Cleveland County just about all your life, haven't you? All my life. I'm 66 years old and uh, probably started started singing in church and and uh, from from a very early age and and uh, did you know did you know early that you wanted to be a singer or did it just happen? Uh, well, I I knew early that uh, that I had a a talent for it okay. that yeah. I was able to to sing and and. What came out of my mouth was uh, at least tolerable to other people, so uh, so I realized that early on, I guess. My mother sang to me, and uh, I had uh, I had a, a history of of uh, uh, my my father was not a musical person, but uh, uh, he did have the occasional song on a road trip or something in the car, but uh, which was pr- always pretty comical, but. Uh, uh, but my mother was was a singer, and uh, uh, she uh, had a beautiful alto voice. I was able to uh, have some really wonderful times with her before she passed away. Did, uh, did, did that involve like harmony singing? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the uh, the person that that taught me to sing harmony. I love to tell this story. Uh, I was uh, we had uh, we had left the city and moved down in, into the lower end of the county uh, on 18 South there. And uh, when we moved down there, we went back to uh, the church that uh, that was in my father's uh, history. A lot of a lot of his uh, 
family members are buried there, and that's a New Hope Baptist Church. And uh, the pastor there was uh, uh, Joel Jenkins, and he was a, he was a wonderful tenor singer, and uh, him and his wife both uh, sang. And he would sit, he would sing in the choir, and uh, after the choir special, then he would come down and preach. You know, which was unusual. A lot of preachers didn't do that, but. Uh, in choir practice, uh, I was struggling with singing a tenor part as opposed to the melody. And he was trying to explain it to me. And <clears throat> he took this one one song one day, just uh, had, we happened to be singing, I guess, maybe. And he said, okay, this, this song right here is Stand Up for Jesus. The tenor line has almost only one note in it. So you concentrate and focus and hold on to that note while the other parts are moving around you and then you can hear what it sounds like to, to sing harmony and uh, and that was sort of easy to do like just turned on for you yeah mind. just and it was it was one of those uh, ep epiphany moments you know you know when I when I could hear the other parts moving while I was holding on to, to my one note I heard how the harmony was working around me and uh, and from that point, it was it was easy, and now you know everything's harmony in my mind, in my mind. You know everything, uh, and it's just funny because I've been a I've been a lead singer all my life and sang, you know, solos in church and and uh, but uh, but my love is is for the harmony. You the know, and if I could sing beautiful. a part, I'd rather sing a part than sing the lead any day. I spent a lot of my life singing parts, so yeah. I do understand. It's also something that um, is difficult to learn, but once you get it, you kind of have it. I mean, yeah, it's because like, it's kind of contrary to what you're hearing. So yeah, it's like jumping off a diving board. If you ever learn to get that head down one time and the feet up, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. So early on, you're singing in church. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, does that does that translate over to uh, school when you get to school, or is that you still just doing this in church at that time? Well, yeah. When when I got to, when I got to school, I, I, about the I guess what eighth eighth grade, I began to uh, uh, develop some friendships with some guys that were. Uh, beginning to develop an interest in in music and and guitars and things and uh, so uh, a guy named uh, Aaron Clark who was in my class and a guy named Chip Lowry uh, and a guy named Jerry Hips uh, we begin to uh, talk to each other about our interest in in uh, music and uh, so they, you know, the, the the normal thing is back then, you know, let's start a band. Exactly. You know, yeah. We should, yeah, let's have a band. So for uh, for, for <clears throat> worse words that could never be spoken. Yeah. <laughs> so we got uh, we started getting together and learning some little songs, and there was a few other guys that were playing into that, but uh, uh, we started learning a couple little songs and together and, and practicing together. And uh, with no expectation of ever uh, playing for anybody, you know, just uh, just learn, just learning to 
play together as musicians and uh, uh, that's another term I have a lot of trouble with you know I, uh, and I can tell more stories about that but I've always uh, been the guy you know the me and the drummer are the guys that hangs around with musicians yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we're not really musicians uh, but, yeah, but you're the guys that make all the money and get all the glory. That's too. right. We get yeah, we get all the glory. All the, all the glory too. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah, the front man. The front man. So, uh, yeah, but uh, so we so we started a little band and uh, uh, I think uh, I think we came up with the name of uh, the Double Chainman or something <laughs> like that. It was uh, one of those six uh, sixties. It was oh, the sixties. So we played played for a while. What kind of uh, music was this? Oh, it was uh, uh, the Doors yeah, and exactly. yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. House of the Rising Sun right, is yeah. something I can remember well doing with those guys. Uh, but uh, in through the relationships of school. Uh, we found out that there were some other guys that were uh, had had a little band put together, and they were sort of on the rocks, and, and we weren't doing anything. But uh, uh, we hooked up with them. Now that was uh, that was Steve McCraw mm -hmm. and uh, Mitchell Guffey. Okay. And uh, so we pulled them. Even uh, Mike McSwain played with us a little bit. He was. Uh, He's a teacher over at Cleveland Community College. Mike uh, played uh, saxophone. Okay. Uh, so we were, you know, it was back in those times, you know, anybody that sort of came up and said, hey, I can play sure. something, you know, oh, we yeah. say, oh, yeah, well, yeah, then we're, you know, come on over to yeah. and we'll, we'll see what we can do. So we did that. And uh, uh, so we really formed a little band there in high school that was, uh, uh, considered a band <laughs> and uh, uh, we called ourselves uh, improvisation which was you know looking back on it it was really stupid really dumb uh, <clears throat> but uh, we I think we probably I think we looked that up in the dictionary because we because we didn't know what that meant right exactly but it sounded like it was a like mu a musical type of a word so we thought that would be a good name uh, too long to say it's a really bad name, but anyway, that was it. Uh, so these these guys, uh, Mitchell played uh, keyboards, and and he or he played he played an organ. He played this little spinet organ that was in his house, and it's all he had. And uh, so we actually loaded that thing up and hauled it around a couple places, you know. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, he was able to, I think his parents probably were, uh, gave him some money to, to buy a little uh, uh, Farfisa. Right, oh yeah. And uh, so, so yeah, so we, we, were, we were on the road then, you know, oh, we, yeah. could, we could move then. Right. Uh, and uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron didn't have a guitar, so I had a, uh, a, um, what was that thing? It's a Firebird. It's a Gibson Firebird. Really nice, nice guitar. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, I, I, I lament the day that I ever let it <laughs> let it get out of my hands. But uh, he played he played my guitar, and uh, so we 
played the you know, first little birthday party or something that came up you know we went and played and uh, we played uh, uh, I don't know you know a couple little different places right. in people's basements and things like that still playing basically the rock and roll from the radio yeah, that, yeah. We, we were we were moving out into uh, uh, Oh mercy! Uh, what's the guy's uh, Steppenwolf? Okay, yeah, Steppenwolf. Yeah. Okay. We were played some Steppenwolf stuff, and uh, and uh, we were playing some uh, Santana. It was uh, Woodstock, all right. the Woodstock gotcha. stuff. But it was it was rock and roll, and uh, uh, so I don't know. That was uh, that lasted through high school. We did a little. Uh, uh, we did a little talent show at, at Crest High School. <clears throat> we were talking about that a while ago. They they had things like that, and we uh, played. Uh, uh, <clears throat> we were playing at that time. We were playing things like uh, really good stuff. Uh, Easy to be hard. Oh, Three Dog yeah. Night. Right. Uh, uh, we played uh, uh, Sunshine of Your Love. Yeah. Cream. We were playing. Uh, uh, vanilla fudge, yeah, all that stuff. You know, so, so uh, uh, yeah, I was I was liking it. It was great, and uh, we changed. Uh, oh, I thought I turned sorry. that off. That's a, sorry. That just adds character. Yeah. Realize that. We uh, we changed we changed drummers. Uh, Chip. Uh, <clears throat> This is this is one of those things that 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 you know as well as I do. Uh, <clears throat> changing band members because they're not what you want them to be. You well, know, it's, so, as yeah. far you know, is the most difficult thing in the world yeah, because band guys are they're 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 the closest of friends. They are, and to say you know we. <clears throat> we're at a point in this band that we want to move forward musically and you're not going to be able to come with us right. and uh, that is that is hard that is very and I hard. have uh, I, I, those those moments in my in my career as a, as a person in a band uh, are burned in my memory more than anything else because they are difficult times they are very uh, but uh, but we ran across this guy who was from Shelby High School, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you know him. His name's John Ware. I do. And uh, uh, John's a, a wonderful pastor now, and, uh, but he was, he was a wild child in those days, and you set him down beside, behind a set of drums, it was magic. And uh, so we, we hurt Chip's feelings and told him that we really wanted to go with John because he was a much better drummer and uh, you know that was that was a terribly uncomfortable thing because we loved Chip Lowry I loved Chip Lowry with all my heart he was a, such a great guy and uh, I mean, we're still friends today you know but that was a hard time but anyway John played with us for uh, a while and uh, that was great because he was a he was a true he was a true musician he 
he could play without just playing what somebody else was playing. You know, so that was interesting. Uh, but so uh, that went on. That went on during high school, and when I graduated, then that was sort of that sort of fell apart and was was over. Yeah, that happens with high school bands. Yeah, I don't really remember, you know, the end of that, but right. it, I'm sure it came with, with graduating high school. Yeah, usually. Um, usually. But now, <clears throat> the during high school, I, I formed a relationship with uh, a guy that was a couple years older than me, and that was that was B.J. Earl. Okay. And uh, because we were, you know, his his parents went to church there at, at New Hope, so they had some little things uh, down there, uh, or maybe something associated with Earl's school or something. I don't know. But uh, anyway, I got to hear I get to hear, got to hear B.J. play and sing. Mm-hmm. And BJ had a little band too, him and him and Bernie Thomas. Yeah. And uh uh Mike Ruth, Hugh maybe. Dillingham, uh maybe uh, who was the guy that there was the guy that played drums? Mike Ruth. Okay. Maybe it didn't ring a bell, but anyway. Uh the first time I heard BJ sing and play just right by himself, playing guitar and singing did uh Seems like it might have been uh, uh, Bee Gees. And I started a joke yeah. and just played and sang by himself. And I said, this guy's great. I was so impressed with him. And uh, so uh, we, uh, then, I, then I formed a relationship uh, through, through my cousin Mike, I think, uh, Mike Lynch, uh, a guy that was living across the road from him down there uh, named David Roof. Yeah. And uh, David was a, was a drummer. He was several years older than us. Uh, but uh, any, somehow or another, me and BJ and uh, Bernie Thomas and, uh, and David uh, decided to form a group. We started practicing down in my, my daddy's basement. Which that was, have been Seth, is that what that was? That was Seth. Yeah, and we we called ourselves Seth because uh, uh, that was the going thing. It was early '70s, and and uh, there was uh, bands called Smith and that kind of thing, you know. So there was a little short name. Uh, the third son of Adam was uh, Seth, and uh, so we began to play everything that was on the radio. And it was, uh, it was the, it's like the, uh, it was like the heyday of pop music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't think of the stuff, but it was uh, uh, Credence Clearwater, right. it was uh, uh, Lobo, it was uh, Kenny Rogers, it was, uh, yes, it was pop music. Uh, raspberries, uh, who are who, all these uh, people we did, uh, Kenny Loggins, it was everything that was broad on the radio. Cross, broad cross section. And we auditioned at uh, the Amvets in Shelby, and uh, we were so petrified that we were going to play too loud. 
and we went in there and we had everything turned down really low and we played a song or two and the guy says uh, can't y'all play any louder than that yeah, <laughs> so it's so low and so uh, <clears throat> we uh, <clears throat> we began to play the club circuit in Shelby right. and it was like the MVS and the VFW and the DAV and the, you know and right. the uh, the, elk, well. the elks yeah. and the and the moose and, and we were playing because though all those guys all those clubs it, it was a it was a period of time where all those clubs just had they had Saturday night dances and uh, so there was a place to play and so we played and and it, it was really phenomenal because at the time we were probably playing at least three or four, maybe five songs that were playing on the radio that were in the top 10 songs. Oh, yeah. You know, they were playing on the radio and we were playing those songs out <clears throat> as, a, as, a, as a cover band. And uh, so that, that, was a, that was a good time. And, uh, and I was, uh, I, got, I got married in uh, 72 and the band was already a, a important part of my life, and right. and uh, so this began to this this playing every Saturday night was beginning to wear on my on my relationship with my wife, and uh, it finally came to a head, and she just said, you know, I can't do this, you know, I just uh, you're going to have to choose between me and and being gone all the time, right? And I chose her, and uh, I told the guys. Wise decision. Yeah, I told I told the guys. I said, "Listen, uh, this band's important to me, and but uh, my marriage is more important. So I I, I quit. And uh, so that I think I stayed quit for maybe." Eight or nine years. I kind of don't know. I can't. I haven't really ever put that timeline together in my head. But uh, were you singing during that time though? Anywhere? Uh, church no. or nothing, nothing? Well, yeah, church. church. I always, I'll, you know, right. through through my whole career, I've I've been uh, in my church choir and right. faithful. We, uh, we we talked about uh, New Hope, but uh, right. we moved to uh, Mount Sinai Baptist Church, and uh, Linda and I got married there. Uh, we just uh, uh, let me take a little side trip here. Uh, one of the things we do in our church is we, on Saturday, on Sunday night, we take uh, whoever will will come and we'll go and uh, uh, spend some time uh, singing hymns and things like that with with uh, some of our shut-ins. And uh, this just this past Sunday night, we went and sang for uh, the pastor that was uh, that came to Mount Sinai was the uh, he was the pastor that married me in London. Okay. It was his first wedding ceremony yeah. when he came to Mount Sinai. So he's he's still alive and 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 uh, in not so great health now. He didn't get out as much, but uh, still has all his uh, wits about him. And he's a, a his name's Broadus Heatherly. And uh, so we were just at his house the other night. Uh, singing you know it's just singing some hymns and so that's like christmas caroling year round it is it's like uh, year-round christmas caroling uh 
but uh, that's a pretty neat idea, really. Yeah, but back to the uh, uh, leaving leaving Seth, you know, which was uh, uh, a hard thing to do, but uh, but it was an important thing to do at the time. So uh, there was uh, a number of years that went by there, and uh, I guess it was probably somewhere in 82, 83, maybe, uh, through, you know, we, we had, uh, well, maybe, yeah, kids were born in the 75, 76, 78, right in there. So I had been out of the band for a while and began to talk talk about it, how much I missed it and things with uh, my wife. And uh, she said, well, you know, it was a really tough time in my life, but I'm, you know, I'm more secure now. I got my, you know, got kids to tend to, you know, it's not, it's not that important. If that was something that you wanted to, to revisit, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. So with the to um, Ralph Glenn's story, and we're picking up to the second part of his long career. Okay, so we were talking about uh, the period of time that, uh, that I was out of, out of the band. Uh, David and BJ, uh, and of course, yeah, David, BJ, and Bernie uh, formed another band during that time called the images and what a great band they had uh, the girl the uh, uh, the two girls uh, I'm not gonna be able to tell you their names I'm sorry but uh, the, the little short girl that was the keyboard player she was fantastic and they were doing they were back to doing pop music in the in the early 80s you know which was really great stuff at that time. And as a matter of fact, uh, whenever people talk to me about music, I always say uh, in a joking kind of way that there has been no music since the 80s. <laughs> Everything was either the 80s or back, you know, the rest of it is, uh, wasn't, hadn't, I had no interest in, that, that's what I was going to say. But uh, we, uh, I went and talked to BJ uh, at some point in time, and I said, uh, are you? I think that band had had dissolved, and he wasn't doing anything. So I said, uh, you know, what about us? You know, I said, you interested in 
getting back together and doing anything. And he said, uh, he said, I am. He said, but uh, right now I'm only interested in playing top 40 country. Uh, that was sort of his his love, and uh, uh, of course mine too. I, I I like top 40 country, so I told him, I don't care what we do, as long as we do yeah, something, exactly. you know. Yeah, I got you. So uh, so we put we put Seth back together, and we uh, uh, found out uh, uh, about this guy named Tim Wright, and Tim was a bass player. The the I, Go back and talk about Seth just a minute. Uh, when when we formed the band Seth, BJ says I'm going to play the bass. Well, that was as foreign as to me as I, because I didn't know Bernie very well, and I didn't know what kind of guitar player Bernie was. But once I found out that Bernie was a serious player, Bernie was a serious player. So we. Uh, uh, I was okay with that, but I thought I thought it was just a really it's a crime that BJ was playing the bass, you know, instead of gu guitar. Uh, but it, but it worked out good, and uh, they they actually uh, at one point in time we're we're back in Seth now, but at one point in time BJ and Bernie had learned all the twin lead in Rambling Man. Oh yeah, and so they said they said. We we need for you to play the bass on this song. Well, that was that was a disaster, <laughs> and I couldn't. And they said, "Okay, we need to sing. We need for you to sing the part too." I said, "Ain't gonna happen." I said, "If my fingers are moving, my mouth is shut. I cannot do it." It's a hard thing to do. So I was I was absolutely worthless at that. Uh, but uh, so we we decided to uh, uh, get. Tim Wright to play bass so that BJ and Bernie both could play guitar right. and uh, we we formed the band and we reformed the band Seth and uh, began playing and uh, that was uh, and we did we did all top 40 country and Alabama and, and uh, America uh, it's just it was great stuff uh, uh, Gatlin Brothers, and uh, I, those were some of my personal favorite things to sing, you know, because Larry Gatlin had such a, yeah. a great voice, and uh, Kenny Rogers, we did Kenny Rogers, and so all of that stuff was establishing me as, as a ballad singer, you know, which uh, well, I really like to sing, and to this day, you know, that's my favorite stuff, but uh, so we did country, we did country music and uh, and we were loving it, and we were still playing the the little clubs in Shelby that we that we played in the in the early '70s, and we found out after a while that uh, that we were locked into a price range that was about six hundred dollars, and and you can't you can't break out of that. No, you can't. It's nothing. Playing the kind of music you're playing, that was the only that was the only kind of money you could make as a band. Uh, so uh, we began to get as we as we booked like wedding receptions and things like that. We would get requests for beach music, and uh, and way back way back in high school, we played out to Elks Club, and uh, Chip's brother was was there, 
and he brought out some old albums of uh, of uh, the Drifters and stuff right. like that. He said, "Y'all need to play some of this stuff." Right. And we were playing like we were playing cream and yeah. and, and vanilla fudge, and we say, "Man, we're not gonna play that stuff. Are you crazy?" <laughs> work, That's right. So uh, you know, I never I never forgot that. You know, but he was trying to introduce us to uh, the the shagging community and and the right. things that they were interested in. And so we, uh, as we were looking at that situation, realizing that uh, people were interested in, in the, what, what, we, what was known as Carolina Beach music, right. and, uh, and this was old R&B stuff that, that we really loved too. Uh, so we uh, began to pick up a few little songs like Under the Boardwalk and stuff like that, you know, that were staples and, and, and introduce them into our playlist. And we, I guess, I guess the big transition was uh, we found out about this big beach music festival that they were having over in Charlotte. And uh, so we all decided to load up and go over there and see what this beach music thing was all about, and we went over there, and they had they had the shakers, and they had the the uh, uh, oh man, <laughs> I hate it when this happens to me. My brain just goes dead, and and there's I could I, any on any other day I could name off 50, right. 50 beach oh, bands, yeah. but uh, the Band of Oz right. and and uh, the Poor Souls were there, and. And just it just some really super groups were there, and uh, so we we go out there, and this is at the Metrolina Fairground, okay. and we go out there, and they got the big blow up beer cans and bottles and things around, and it's a it's a uh, people are hauling coolers into that place that look like you know <laughs> you could pull them behind a car, and uh, we go down there, and there's like. 10,000 people at the Metrolina Fairground to hear beach music and it's in the summertime and all the women there are in bikinis yeah, exactly. in them you know and and we're just and we're just our draw our, our jaws are dropped open and the music comes on and these guys have got white jumpsuits and they're, and the music is fantastic and it's horns yeah. and you know and I said and, and it was this about in mid 80s and uh, we looked at this thing we looked at it and said this That's is real. what we're going to do real. we're going to do beach music and uh, so we began to follow you know that kind of music and, and hear what was out there you know for us to learn and and put into our program, and we we've made the transition from uh, uh, from country music to beach music, and we begin to book more uh, expensive exactly. jobs yeah, and things, jobs. Yeah. Uh, wedding receptions, and and those kinds of things, and and, be, and but now the money improved. The money improved, uh, but uh, that being said, uh, the the shagging community, there's no money there. The people that dance, they'll come to a, they'll come to a 
hear a beach music band playing at a reception or something like that, and they'll get out there and shag. But if they're meeting in their clubs, they they don't they don't they're not interested in the band. That's how it's the DJ a, it's all it's off. all That's DJ the market. They're all listening to records. A friend of mine, you know, he he's made him a musical career. Yeah, of course. And they've got they they play records. Right. And they they have a uh, turntable that you can adjust the speed right. on because they get the dancing speed exactly, exactly. right. Yeah, exactly. That's so what it's about. It's what it's about. It's about the dancing. Yes, it is. So uh, that's, uh, but that part of the uh, genre is what we uh, were learning what songs to play from and what was what people were interested in and what they were dancing to. And, uh, and we began to learn uh, chairman of the board and... Uh, uh, Did at some point you have to incorporate some more players? Or were we all doing it just like you were? Uh, okay, well, that, yeah, thank you. Uh, we picked up, uh, we, needed, we needed the keyboard player. Uh, we had a little guy named uh, Scott Ryan that played with us for a while uh, when we were still Seth. And uh, he he didn't he didn't work out. He wasn't really interested in in playing what we, you know the amount that we were playing or whatever. But uh, uh, we ran across the Rod Mooney, right. and uh, Rod came and uh, Rod was a great keyboard player. A great uh, he had great keyboards. He had uh, he had all the horn sounds and everything like that. He had what we needed. To, to get the beach sound right. without actually having the having horns. horns. Yeah, so uh, uh, so Rod uh, played with us for many years, and uh, uh, Rod's uh, Rod also introduced a uh, a, a different uh, interest in music, you know, to the band. Uh, we uh, wrestled with that later on, you know, that his. Uh, his particular music musical interests were you know weren't exactly you know what we were trying to do, uh, but uh, but great great guy and great keyboard player. Uh, so uh, so we eventually changed our name. We had some kind of little silly contest that never that didn't work out. We didn't get a name from that, and we ended up and we ended up at the eleventh hour. BJ said, well, you know, what about Ocean Boulevard? And we all just looked at him and said, where have you been? That's, you know, what a great name. Uh, so we uh, changed our name and uh, uh, changed the logo on our bus. Uh, we had an, we had no uh, Chevrolet bus that we had converted. I love that bus. I love that bus. Uh, it, for, first, it had Seth down the side of it, and then then we took that off and put Ocean Boulevard down the side of it. And uh, it was divided. It had some nice seats, coach seats in the front, and in the back was a petition. And we carried all our equipment, rolled it up an old wooden ramp that I made in the back, and uh, so we were on the road. And we played uh, a lot of lot of jobs, uh, uh, but uh, it was always part time, you know. And we played. Uh, uh, at best, you know, we played uh, maybe 25, 30 jobs a year. Yeah. 
and uh, that was uh, about all we could manage, I guess. And uh, uh, so uh, that takes us takes us up to I don't know. We did that. We did that for you did that for, a, for long a long time. Yes, yeah. you did. Yeah, it, it's yeah. Once you, once we got started and got to that point and and got our our identity, I guess, yeah. as a beach band, yeah. I mean, then uh, then we played uh, uh, we played some really cool jobs. Yeah. Uh, the Shriners uh, booked us down at Myrtle Beach a few wow. times, and we went down there and played some wow. jobs. Uh, yeah, uh, Tim Crotts yeah. played uh, saxophone for yeah. us for yeah. a while, and uh, and uh, he he was a great saxophone player, and we uh, uh, got some really cool uh, little instrumentals out of out of that that he would play, uh, Cherry Pink and Apple yeah. Blossom White, and and the girl from Ipanema, and great great slow dance stuff, you know, play at weddings and things. And uh, he was a really good player, but he was a bluegrass guy too. Yeah, he was. You know, he so was. he he was a uh, learned to play saxophone, I guess, in in high school, and oh, and yeah. but but was was interested in bluegrass too. Uh, so uh, uh, at some point in time, uh, we changed drummers, and I can't remember what the circumstances was uh, that. Uh, that David, uh, he wound up playing with me during, sometime after that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, John Reed uh, came and played with right, us, yeah. and uh, played with us for years, and and that was that was a, a great relationship. Uh, John, uh, such a great guy. Yeah. Uh, he's an icon in Shelby. He you is. know the. the I the did. owner of Shelby Music Center, like his father before him. I did. I did uh, one with him as a drummer, but I'm going back to do one with him as the you know the, the music store. Yeah. It's been a big part of this community. Yeah. You should do. Uh, you should get a bunch of guys together and get all of them to tell their their Charlie Reed stories. Oh, I should get the guys that work there. Great idea. <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. Uh, yeah. I had two ideas and two interviews this week, thanks to people uh, that I was interviewing. Yeah, Charlie. Uh, yeah. Always had. He always had a story. He was always telling something, you know. Yeah. And uh, and everybody, everybody that ever went into Shelby Music Center uh, had a can talk to you about Charlie Reed, you know. And uh, yeah, Charlie <clears throat> always told the story about uh, Hartley Peavy walking into his store one day with, uh, he was like, uh, said, I got this little line of amplifiers that I'm starting up and I uh, wonder if you'd be interested in putting some in your store. And uh, Charlie was like the, I don't know, in the one of the, one of the first very few uh, distributors for, for Peavy equipment. Uh, and then that, that business took off and and, and blew up and, and was uh, everybody had PV equipment then, but uh, so I don't know. <coughs> we we played uh, we played those little jobs at the beach and we played 
that was that was pretty cool. And we played for some uh, people that were repeat business. We had uh, we did years and years of the same uh, Christmas parties and things down in Spartanburg and and uh, uh, played uh, Charleston and you know just uh, expanded out. Uh, uh, Got uh, got better and better, and, and uh, got more and more well known, and uh, we got to the point where we were trying to do some recording. Yeah, I was and uh, the studio song. yeah, BJ uh, wrote several great beat songs, and uh, uh, one that we recorded early on and played throughout our uh, beach music. Uh, history was uh, uh, down at the beach and uh, then uh, he wrote another song that uh, was called Let's Go Shagging Tonight and we recorded that song and we got uh, the radio guys to play it and we were uh, we were calling and voting for it and everything, and it got uh, it, it moved up and, and got to be number one on their charts for uh, for a while. And uh, uh, great song. Uh, B.J. wouldn't let me sing it though; he sang it himself. <laughs> uh, but I, it was a, it was a great song, and he, he did a tremendous job writing it. And we, uh, I was instrumental in in. Uh, uh, Doing the arrangement, some you know, and, and getting uh, the finished product that right. that we actually recorded. And uh, now, when did you decide to, that you had enough? I mean, when did, did you? Oh yeah. Well, uh, Rod, we parted parted ways with Rod, and uh, uh, Larry Wright came to play keyboards for us. And uh, one of Larry's friends was uh, Phil Loveless. Mm -hmm. And uh, Phil, when Phil came to the band, just opened the world up to us, you know. So so limited in what we could do as far as uh, uh, having having a saxophone break, you know. Every, almost every beat song's got a sax break in it. And uh, so when Phil came, Phil was such an incredible player and he was, he was another, uh, you know, a real musician. Yes, he was. Because you could, you could just point to Phil and say, play, and he could do it. <laughs> you know, it was that was always amazing to me. You know, and my whole life had been spent around trying to reproduce a song that sounded like the original person that wrote it. And, uh, and, and, and that's, that was pretty much the life of, of cover bands, True. you know, that were playing little, you know, jobs and things. You were just trying to, uh, your, your credibility right. uh, depended on your ability to make them think that they were listening to the song on the radio. This is true. Yeah, if you, if you hear some, a band playing a song, then the, the highest praise that they give to you is that sounds just like a record. Right. You know, so so that's what we did, and and that was satisfying to us. And that's you know, this thing of writing music and 
and uh, breaking into the music industry and everything. It never was, uh, certainly was never in my mind. But uh, so we, so we got uh, uh, Larry to play f for us, and Larry was a tremendous keyboard player. Uh, could sing backup vocals and uh, uh, feel with Phil as as the sax player. Uh, it just added a, a a dimension to the band that we hadn't had before. And uh, not only could Larry play keyboards, but he could step out front and play slide trombone. Oh yeah. And uh, so we we did that for. A, for a while, and and picked up some some different different songs, things that we wanted to do all these years but couldn't because we didn't have the sax and stuff. And uh, that was that was rewarding in itself, you know, that we were able to do that. And then uh, uh, the last few years that we played, uh, that I played, uh, uh, Audie Kennedy from Lincoln uh, came and and played trumpet for us. And when we had when we had the the trifecta of horns. That was a big. Thing. It was. Yeah, it was a was. big thing, and I can. I, that was. That was my. Uh, most enjoyable, uh, time in in the band when we when we were able to, uh, occasionally have those three guys step out front and do some do some horn stuff, and we recorded some songs. Uh, uh, we did uh, "Sandy Beaches" by uh, Delbert McClinton. Right. front porch beautiful day and he's living most um, musicians dreams he has at this point in his life a band with a horn section <laughs> <laughs> yeah when when Audie Kennedy came and started playing with us you know we began to uh, put together some songs that had uh, that had horns in them uh, of course Larry was mostly locked to you know to the keyboards, but uh, occasionally he would come out and play trombone. So uh, looked great, yeah. you know, to have three guys stand up front, you know, with the horns. And uh, uh, by this time, uh, uh, we're uh, we got a we got a, a drummer that was uh, uh, Louis Grieg. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, Louis was playing drums with us at the time, and. Uh, uh, Great drummer, absolutely great drummer. He was uh, he was playing with the house band uh, in the what's the club in Charlotte? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, so, I'm, sorry, I'm, uh, I, I'm never been old. never been there, <laughs> but uh, he was uh, a, a good a good drummer, excellent drummer. Uh, he and I did a lot of 
a collaboration with the arrangement of the songs, you know, that was sort of my job. I, I would arrange, arrange the music, uh, how we're going to, how, you know, which means how we're going to start it, how we're going to stop it. We basically played it like the record, or if we had to do some kind of clever ending or something, then I, I would figure that out. Uh, and uh, usually ended up teaching all the guys the harmony parts too. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, so because uh, even though I can't sing them all, they're all in my head. Yeah. I, and so I, I would say, okay, BJ, oh, you, you sing, you sing a third head. up, and, and modest, I'm sure. yeah, Tim, you sing a third down, and and uh, uh, so that you know that all worked out itself. And uh, let me let me say at this point in time, what a tremendous group of guys to work with you know this this is not your typical band i mean yeah i've heard so many stories about the guys that uh, just were at each other's throats all the time and uh you know particularly if there was a girl in the band <laughs> yeah that's the worst, worst thing that could happen but <laughs> but uh just a just a tremendous group of guys we always worked well together always had a common purpose and uh and that was that was a real a real joy to work with those guys and and I love every one of them uh you know all through the years that that we played you know I just uh, when I when I see them out you know it's just a it's just a pleasure to see them and um but uh with with the uh Louis playing drums and uh, I I started into that uh story a while ago to say that uh, uh, with me and Louis uh he was always interested in what I, how I thought he should end the song. And one of our, uh, and we, we usually did a big finish, some sort of big finish to the end of it. Right. So Louis' term for that was, you want me to wreck the bus? <laughs> I said, that's exactly what I want, Louis. I said, on the end of this song, wreck the bus. So he does all of these you know, big round the, round the drums and big cymbals and all that stuff and big finish. And man, he was great at that. He was great at it, and still is. I'm, I'm sure he is. Uh, but uh, that was that was just as he as he came, you know, and, and uh, was indoctrinated into the group. That was one of his great I guess you contributions. Had a stage full of people at that time, too. We did. We had we had uh, uh, a lot of people. It was it was uh, getting harder and harder to split the money. <laughs> but it didn't matter, you know. And and at some point in time, there we. Uh, uh, hadn't talked about uh, sound guys you know we oh, used yeah. a bunch of sound guys yes. through through history uh, Stan Lowry ran sound for us for a while and uh, uh, for a long time we tried to run our own sound which yeah. was uh, pretty, uh, pretty yeah it, it was uh, at some point in time it got to be so big that that there was no way that you could get a not, decent sound from the stage with, no, not with as many band members you had to have somebody out front uh, so, I uh, don't know exactly when, but uh, at uh, some point in time, uh, my son uh, came and started uh, running sound for us. Okay. His name's Joseph. Joseph has this incredible ear uh, that uh, I certainly don't have. Uh, he has he has such a talent for for mix, right. and uh, so. Uh, he was not really knowledgeable about equipment, but uh, Tim 
filled in the gaps there because Tim was a really good equipment guy. And yeah, and I and I was too, you know, because I have an electronics uh, background. But uh, so we could keep we could keep everything working and keep it on. And Joseph was in charge of making it sound good, and he was excellent at it, and still is. And he runs sound at our church, okay. uh, too. So, uh, but uh, well, let me say this: sound men, you know, they get a free pass to heaven. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> They're good guys. They're tolerable well, guys. They, they, they tolerate a lot of stuff because you know it's you know it's the sound man's problem, yeah. not that you've turned your guitar up. Four times during this time. You know? So they get, I, th I think the Lord gives those guys and girls a free pass into heaven. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's great. Uh, but yeah, we're really, we've we recorded the song. We've, we've been on the radio. We get, we've got a great deal of recognition in the county and, and the, in the beach music industry as, as well, you know. We're, we're not... We're not the top name acts and stuff like that, but we're not working full time either. True. They are, and they deserve those spots. Right. And and uh, but we were really glad for the notoriety that we had sure. gained and uh, and appreciative of it, and uh, that people liked our music and that people would turn out uh, to hear us. So we've we've uh, uh, we played for some of the biggest crowds that they've ever had at, uh, in Shelby uh, for the for the live after five and uh, uh, we played uh, played big crowds in Lincoln and uh, and there toward toward the end of uh, uh, my career uh, they that was a big thing the outdoor festivals the summer uh, block parties and things like that so we played uh, we played a lot of those uh, and they were always big productions, so you could do the big stuff. You know, you get all the guys out front, and uh, wasn't uh, like playing the the little intimate True, parties yeah. and stuff. You know, which was more subdued, and you, you were more catering to the people that were dancing and stuff like that. So, uh, so that was fun, and we did uh, uh, we did we tried we tried to be like uh, like Beauchamp's. You know, we tried to do a little little floor show, a little entertaining once in a while. We we did a we did a tremendous 50 set, you know that right. that uh, uh, where we dressed that up in the, right. the greasers outfits and things and came out. Uh, Sha Na Na was big right. then, and uh, we uh, we did a we did an Elvis thing where I had the costume and the oh, yeah. and the big hair and came out, which was really funny. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, I came out. Yeah, I would I would come out. You know, I was doing Elvis in his fat years, you know. <laughs> We'd come out on stage with a big bag of Lay's potato chips, you know, eating them. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but, uh, uh, we, yeah, we had done a lot of stuff. And, and, uh, and I guess the, the downturn to the end was uh, uh, Larry's sickness. And, you know, Larry had uh, developed leukemia. And... Uh, then we began uh, a period of time where uh, his his sickness made things iffy, you know, right. as, far, as far as you booking things. Right. And uh, and then uh, then Rod came back and would help us out, you know, when right. Larry would get sick and in the hospital and couldn't play. And so 
I know you, you can appreciate this, and and uh, any guy, any guys that's, that's ever been in a band, we because we were working back and forth with, between personnel, mm -hmm. it began it began to be just a labor of trying to put together a set, a couple you know, some sets, so that we could go play a job right. with this guy or this guy, and you know what can we do, and and uh, and you'd have to spend all your time rehearsing stuff that you weren't doing with the other guy and right. and uh, right. so the the, the the fun goes away the creativity yeah. went out of yeah, it and we didn't true. have time to learn anything new mm -hmm. and it began to get sort of stale even though it was such a pleasure to play those songs i mean we played songs we played songs that's been around for 50 years true. i mean we weren't it, it wasn't like there was a the wasn't like there was a freshness to the music or something, but it was a joy to play that stuff. I understand. Uh, but uh, the classics for a reason. They're fun to play. Yeah, absolutely. So, but we we got to where uh, the fun was gone, and uh, the and not the, and not the the immediate fun because it was always a joy to play. Oh yeah. But it was. Uh, it all goes away when you play. Yeah. yeah. But but the in, the in between and worrying about uh, Larry and and uh, uh, just uh, began to get harder and harder and 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 we were so much older and uh, uh, so. Yeah, that's another factor too. As yeah. You age, absolutely. Uh, and I didn't, you know, at my age, I wasn't really feeling like a, a young kid up on the stage, you yeah, know, and. and uh, that too. Uh, let my weight get out of control, you know, and, and that was, uh, uh, hurt your, hurt your self-image some. Yeah, and, I, I understand uh, that too. Uh, so, uh, began to make comments about, you know, is this really worth it? And, and I began to talk to BJ some, and, and we, we had pretty much decided that that we were about done and that we were going to have to find out a time that we could accomplish that without it being so painful. Right. And uh, we found a place where the bookings were sort of open and we thought maybe it would be a good time to make a transition and and uh, we went to Tim, yeah. you know, and talked to him and told him that, that we had decided that we wanted to get out. And uh, I'm telling you, he didn't see it coming. And it was a hard thing. It was a really hard thing. Uh, but uh, but our minds were made up. And uh, So you and BJ left at the same time? We left at the same time. And uh, we told him that we'd do anything that we could to help him make that transition. Right except play longer, yeah. you know. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so uh, with the other guys in the band, we, we may not have handled it well, but uh, they, were, they were all pretty upset with us at the time. Uh, uh, we were at the top of our game, yeah. and, uh, and it was a hard thing. Uh, to do, but I just you know. Comes the time. I did. I don't. I don't regret doing it because we really were 
really were needing to, to be out. So uh, anyway, that, uh, that was pretty much, you know, the end of, of my uh, band career. We, uh, we, got, uh, we got out and, uh, and afterwards there uh, presented itself a few opportunities for me and BJ to do a few things together. And uh, man, that what fun that was! Oh, yeah. You know, outside of the context of the band, uh, we we used we used tracks, and we we did uh, we did Everly Brothers and, and uh, just two part harmony stuff, Righteous Brothers things, and uh, uh, we did some uh, we did some gospel stuff. We did uh, Gaither Vocal Band and things, and and we did some things for the church and. Uh, we played it. Uh, we did a whole program for a thing that they do at Christmas time called Parade of Tables, and we learned some uh, uh, Vince Gill and uh, Amy the the little Christmas things they did. Uh, Ronnie Millsap did some Christmas stuff. Uh, Luther Vandross, I did. I did Luther Vandross. Well, it was, that was incredible. Uh, but. Yeah, the whole thing transitioned from point A to point B with me and BJ. Right. Just a mutual admiration society that we've had our entire lives. So, what do you, what, so since this time, what, what have you, are, you, are you playing? Just, are you still playing with BJ any? Uh, no, BJ has yes, his does. own little... Uh, uh, I, I, I apologize for saying little because it is not. I know, I know it is a saying. great but after a big band. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I, I he has he has a, a website and and a, uh, a show that he takes on the road uh, that he calls back when I had hair, it's, which is hilarious because he really did have some great hair <laughs> in, <laughs> back in the day. In the, the, the day he had great hair, uh, but uh, uh, he plays. Uh, Still, most uh, a lot of his country roots things. He still does some beach music, and uh, he uh, plays plays guitar, plays the old uh, ventures and things uh, as instrumentals. But it's it's great stuff, and he he does that uh, in the lounge before a lot of the shows at uh, Don Gibson Theater. Actually, he and I judged a Don Gibson Don Gibson songwriter yeah. deal one time yeah. together. So. Yeah, yeah I remember him telling guy. me about that. Yeah, he is, guy. he is. So, like, like I said, you know, we uh, we did some stuff, but uh, even before the band was, uh, uh, we got out of the band. Uh, my wife and I have been uh, singing uh, choral music okay. with the Cleveland County Choral Society right. for for many years. Yeah, and we do that faithfully. You still do that? Still do that. Yeah, we're we're pre we're rehearsing right now for the fortieth season oh, of the Cleveland County right. Choral Society. And uh, we uh, we sing we sing together. We we do duets at church, and uh, and I still uh, do the a lot of the solos in the choir, and and do uh, special music on occasion. So very very fulfilling. So uh, you so you music you, the band has left, but the music has not. Left uh, that's you. exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly cute. right. Well, I do appreciate you taking your time and extending your hospitality to let me come here and do this. This has been great. It has been, it has been 
a real pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me too, Sandy. All right, thank you. Every little boy and man wants to dance his arms around you. Yeah, you got me going.